very excited to tell you about this podcast I'm about to tell you about because it's after my heart. It's a wild one and a very funny one. John Lennon died in 1980. We all know that, but do you know he decided to come back to life in 1984? And now he has a podcast called Questions for Lennon. So if you got a query, you need some life advice, you can listen to John Lennon team up with guests like Lauren Lapkus and Paul F. Tompkins to answer questions sent in by you, the listener. John John Lennon is actually played by a very, very hilarious guy named Mike Hanford, who I, I, I don't know that well, but every time I've met up with him, he's so funny. I'm actually, uh, I think on Comedy Bang Bang, I did some bits with the John Lennon character, and man, is it a funny, funny bit. New season of Questions for Lennon is out now exclusively on Stitcher Premium. For a free month of Stitcher Premium, go to stitcherpremium.com slash Lennon and use the promo code STORIES. Hello to all my Chuck Bass fans. It's Beautiful Anonymous. One hour, one phone call, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you and you'll get to know me. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Beautiful Anonymous. It's your friend Chris Gethard here. Psyched. Like to do this episode, it's like to, uh, to hang out with you guys for an hour. Thanks for uh, letting me into your lives via your headphones on this show that has changed my life for the better. Thank you so much for doing it. So it's like to talk to you. I uh, can tell you last week's episode, the Facebook group really responded. So many people, there were a number, there were like a, like a about like half a dozen people from Finland who were like, I listened to the show, I did not know we had any Finnish fans. We had German fans checking in this life. Obviously, the episode we had bounced around to multiple countries. It's fun. People checking in from all over the world. And I want to say, hey, beautiful anonymous Facebook group. Why don't we, uh, let's start a thread. Let's start an international listener appreciation thread. Tell me where you're from. You're listening to the show. I love it. Of course, anytime that topic comes up, we had a bunch of people check in and say they, of course, live in Perth, Australia, the most remote metropolitan area in the world, which uh, I'm so happy that we have a small fan base in Perth, Australia. All right. What else is there to talk about? Not much. You guys know. ChrisGeth.com if you want to see me in shows. Who cares about that? I don't want to plug things too much. I want, I do want to tell you about this episode. Um, it is one that has become increasingly rare for me. It's focused a lot on mental health. As as, as I've talked about on the show, I've become a... Uh, it's just been hard, I think, since career suicide for me to talk more about that publicly just because it was so overwhelming. But I will tell you, th- this call... I identified with this caller so much. That it, it, so many of us, so many of us who have dealt with stuff in the world of mental health know that it's uh, it can come on via things you don't expect. Maybe you make one or two choices that lead to you getting overwhelmed. You make a mistake here and there, and all of a sudden you got to rebuild in a big way. I understand that feeling so well and empathize so hard with this caller. There's a lot of fascinating stuff about the caller's family situation. And who knows? You uh if you ever if you're ever in New York City and you you're hanging out on a roof, you see me in a dress. This episode will explain why I'm fulfilling a promise to my new friend on the phone. So yeah, this one is uh tough in many ways, but also, man, I, I just uh it rarely have I had a mental health conversation where I feel so in the line and in tune with understanding what the person's talking about. So I thought it was really uh maybe valuable to put out there. And I hope you enjoy it. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. 
A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hi. Hi. Is this Chris? It is. Oh, my God. I really, really was not expecting to get through today at all. I almost gave up. Well, look, all of it's finally happening. It's finally happening. Oh, my God. You're, this is honestly making my year. Because 2018 has been such a cursed year for me. And to, like, have the opportunity to talk with you about it is just a dream come true. Um, how are you doing today? Well, first of all, let me say I'm sorry you had a cursed year. I'm sure I'll, we'll be able to hear more about that. But I would be, how callous would I be if I just didn't address that you just said that? Um, so I'm sorry to hear about As far as how I'm doing, I'm doing okay. I'm fighting off a cold, um, but I'm feeling... Oh, no. It's okay, but I'm feeling very good about life and very excited about life right now. That's how I'm doing. That's so good. You are so inspiring. And, like, at my lowest points this year, it's been you and your podcast that has helped me get through this year and has helped me feel like if all the people that you interview can get through the things that they've been through, then I can definitely do the same. Well, I'm very happy to hear that, and I'm happy to help in any way, and that's super nice. That's super nice. I don't take that lightly. What? I'm so sorry. You actually cut out a little bit on my end, and I, I don't know what you said. Uh, I, I was just thanking. I was just saying thank you. It was a very, I gave you a very heartfelt response is what happened. Oh, okay. Thank you, Chris. That means a lot to me. Um, now, you said... Um, you said I, Oh, I was just going to say that it sounds like you might oh. be driving. Am I correct in that? Yes, I I am. Um, let me try plugging in my... I'm almost done driving. Um, like 10 more minutes okay. worth, and then I will be free. Oh, that's I really fine. just can't believe you guys picked me, so I was, I was just expecting to have a normal, ordinary day. Oh, that's okay. I just want to make sure you're safe. Um, like, you got the hands-free? You got the hands-free system going? What do we got? Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. So, I'm I'm good now. Okay, okay. That's All good. right. So, what's up? <laughs> um, I wanted to talk a lot about overcoming something that I don't know if it's been talked about on the show before, about depersonalization and derealization. I don't know if you've ever heard of that before. No, depersonalization and derealization? Yes. So it's kind of like a feeling. It's a symptom of um, me, and it happens after trauma or something traumatic. It's really clear you feel like you are having a constant state of -of out-of-body experience, and everything kind of feels like you're floating. Um, It feels like you're in a dreamlike state. And I had like a near, it wasn't like an actual clinical near-death experience that I had earlier this year, but I went through two very traumatic things, one after the other, um, which there's going to be some people who make fun of what my traumatic experience was because for them, this is like nothing, but I'm someone who I don't, I don't drink and I don't do anything, but one time I went to a party and I took way too many edibles and I've never done that before. And it ended up being such a psychologically like 
um, traumatic experience for me that I ended up getting symptoms of PTSD afterwards because I didn't want to have that feeling again. And then a week after that, my sister went missing for the second time. Um, and so those two events, one after the other, I kind of felt like my world was crashing and I ended up experiencing lots of existential fear. Um, it was, it was the worst year ever just because of having to go through that. And I gave up all my hobbies and everything because it made me want to stay like a hermit at my place, never wanting to leave my house. Um, but yeah, so I went through that this year and I've, it's made me afraid of everything, uh, afraid of driving, afraid of planes, afraid of going to any sort of event. It's made me very paranoid, but I will say that I've been going to therapy months every week and it's helped so freaking much. I'm glad to hear it's helping. That's a uh, that's a hell of a that's a hell of a year. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like the uh, bottom really fell out. Yeah, uh, I've spent this year just like been going to this. You're breaking up. You're breaking huh? up. It's doing that slow motion oh. underwater thing. Oh, no. No. Honestly, if you don't want to talk, it's totally okay. No, I need um, to know what happened. I need to know everything that happened. <laughs> I can't. We're not cutting off now. Okay. Yeah. The- okay, we're going to dial you back. Okay. Thanks. You hung up on her mid-word, Jared. Can we leave that part in where Jared callously hung up mid-word? We pause the clock. I think we got to pause the old clock, right? I don't know how to go there. It's a pause button. I don't know if people are going to be hearing this part or not. So I'm just going to keep talking. God damn, Jared O'Connell was so ice. Hello? Hello? Wait, um. Oh. It's on now. Hello? Hello? Hi. Oh my God, this is so much better. I can hear you much clearer now, too. Yes, I can hear you so much clearer as well. Yes, good. Do you need me to start over at all? Um, no, I think we got it. Let's just pick up with that last okay. thing. Okay. Um, so this entire year, I have basically convinced myself that everything was dangerous. And I had to live in a bubble. And any events or things that I wanted to go to or concerts, like um, like rock concerts that I've been wanting to go to for all my life, I would be like, no, I can't go. If I go, something's going to happen. I'm going to die. And um, there are so many instances where I was like, this is my last day alive. This is the last thing I'm going to experience. This is the last thing I'm seeing. And it was so overwhelming that I would, I bought this book on Amazon called I'm Dead, Now What? Filled out all of my death wishes, all of like the songs that I want to be remembered for, uh, how I don't want a funeral. And I sent everything to my mom. I sent it to her by mail and by email because I wanted to make sure that um, she knew everything because I'm, I'm all alone where I live. I don't have any family around me. So I became very paranoid for who's going to take care of my dead body once, since my family's not around. So it, it became very um, awful. I was paranoid constantly, but 
I've been doing so much better now that I've been in therapy and doing EMDR treatment for PTSD to get over my phobias, um, conquering one thing at a time, really. Okay, I have a lot of questions, so let's go one by one. Okay. Okay, hard, yes. a couple hard questions first, because I want to talk about all this. I want to talk about all this. Okay. Okay, hard question first. You said okay. you, you kind of uh, prepared for death and let your family know. I just want to, just so I'm clear, was this, uh, was this just because your paranoia had overtaken you and you assumed it was coming? Were you planning to end your life? I, I'm a little unclear on no, that. No, okay, so it was, it was not something that I wanted. It was something that I felt like was going to happen because um, of, like, outside sources and also because of my sister running away and abandoning my family for the second she's she's left in the country for the second time um and completely cut off all contact with everyone i felt like i was all that my parents had left and so that i had to stay alive because otherwise i i was just scared that if i wasn't alive then my parents would have nothing and right. it just it was awful so i was like okay i need to basically live in a in a bubble so I can stay safe for them. Right. So, and that, that, that does lead to the second question I had, which was, so your, it, your sister left voluntarily and cut off communication, but because you, when you had initially said she went missing, so it's not, this is not, she is physically safe somewhere. She's just she's, severed yeah, communication. She, correct. So she, she went missing, uh, Two years ago, uh, for about a day and a half, but that's how long it takes to get to where she was going by a plane. Um, and then once she finally talked to me, I found out like where she was and everything. And, you know, I want her to be happy. My family, we all want her to be happy. I, we both, we all just wish it could have been communicated, like, um, then she came back to where my parents lived, which is in the Midwest. And um, then she ended up leaving them again a year later to go back to the same place with these people in a different country. Um, and I'm sure from from what she had told me, which is very briefly and like very vague, she's happy and she's living her life. But um, it still sucks. And this was the first year where she's forgot to wish me a happy birthday. And I sort of hope that would have been a, an icebreaker for conversations this year. Like uh -huh. that's how she's doing. That's uh, scary stuff. And clearly I can just even tell from your language that this is her story and you don't want to share too many uh, details. But yeah. You said she left the country. You also said these people, it, it, like she, she's gone and joined up with some sort of group. Um, I think it's a cult, so I just Ooh, can't really confirm boy. that. And, you know, like, it's fine. Um, but it's, it's, um, so I've, I've been the last couple months without even bothering with contacting her, and especially after her not talking to me on my birthday, like, at least not wishing me a happy birthday. I just kind of expected that much. Um, but last night, <laughs> this sounds so stupid, but I was watching Frozen and just the sister relationship between 
uh, Elsa and Anna just reminds me so much of like my sister running away to like isolation and just shutting her sister out. So I sent my sister an email being like, Hey, I don't, I'm not, I, I still care about you. I love you and I hope you're doing well. But the reason I don't message you is because I get nothing in return and I can't keep holding my breath anymore. So I sent that so that I can breathe for the remainder of this year and not expect anything on Christmas or New Year's. Right, right. You're bracing yourself for the holidays. Yeah, it's, it's hard. I'm here by myself and I can't get on a plane to visit my family because of my fucking P- Oops, sorry, Sally. My PTSD. So I'm like, you know, just trying my best to stay sane for the rest of this year. Yeah, that's so, that's so, that's a. Uh... Being on your own when you're dealing with uh, dealing with what you're dealing with is really hard. But it, the I, the fact that your condition limits your ability to travel and get to people is uh, what that's it just ties your hands in a way that's really sad and scary. I get it. I get it. Yeah. And I too, I don't know how much you know about me. I, 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 because I, I, you know, I've been very public, and I, I talked about all all my mental stuff on my uh, on the HBO special I did. But I, I dealt when, yeah. when things were at their worst for me. I dealt with a lot of paranoia as well. When things were at their scariest. Oh, oh yeah. So I can get through this then. I think so. I think. I mean, I did. Yeah. And who's to say? And you can never just say, "Well, I did, so you should." Like, I think that attitude is is problematic. But I can tell you, at the very least, you're talking yeah. talking to someone. I, I, uh, you know, the depression stuff. Everybody talks to me about all the time, and the anxiety stuff, but. When it really hit a pitch where I feel like, when I look back and realize that I was probably actually in some real trouble and some real day-to-day danger, it was when the paranoia had taken over. Yeah, it's debilitating. It's it, it really is. Even, awful. And I wonder if you have this experience too where it, I think one of the things that I couldn't get across to people until I was dealing with you know, trained professionals who had dealt with it before was, there were a lot of times where logically I totally understood that things weren't real, but it doesn't change yeah. the fact that emotionally they were wrecking me. And that's a real confusing thing. Yeah. Oh, it, it is. Like for me, I <sighs> I always used to think uh, like I, I was a dumb kid and got a couple speeding tickets and had a a car accident at one point, not the one I talk about in my show, but uh, point being, I had all these points on my license. And if I got any more points, I was going to have my license suspended. And I went into this stretch where for about, a, I would say a solid year, anytime I drove at night, I would com- be completely convinced that the car behind me was a police car that was about to pull me over. Uh, and it was... Uh, I, I can't. I can't relate to that specifically, but I can understand driving anxiety because right now I have like a, um, like a curfew for myself where I'm too afraid to drive at a certain hour because I'm so convinced that a drunk driver is going to kill me. So it's like, it's so debilitating when you can't even do things that you need to do because of this paranoia. Yeah. I mean, I I would say like, that's, uh, Really, you know, that it feels like we had uh, paranoias that were kind of cousins. This idea of, you know, you need to drive to function in your day to day life. You gotta, you gotta go do things. You gotta go shop for groceries. You gotta go 
uh, you know, live the infrastructure of your life, but you have completely convinced yourself that something terrible is about to happen if you get behind the wheel of a car. That's really that's not a small deal, you know. And then, of course, the first things to go are the non-essentials, but that's seeing friends and going out and doing social things, and all of a sudden you're spending a lot of time at home because you're so completely nervous and filled with dread and that just becomes a cycle that builds i've been there yeah i've been there yeah i uh, i i i want to bring up that my breaking point where i realized i needed therapy was um in the summertime and I couldn't even go to, like, the local Target to get my own groceries without being afraid of, like, something bad happening that I would text my friend and have him go to Target and bring me groceries because I couldn't even do a simple task like that. And um, then another night we met up at a boba shop, and I was having an existential breakdown because um, I'm gay, so I was freaking out that if I died, I was going to go to hell, even though I've never once. Like, I've, I've never really been religious, but then suddenly all this panic set in where I was like, wow, like, I am, like, if, if it does exist, and if it is true that gays go to hell, that's going to happen to me. So I was freaking out. My friend met up with me at a boba bar. I had this existential breakdown in public. I was crying, hyperventilating, and this guy overhears me, and he comes up to me. And he starts telling me how he's going to pray for me. And that's when I just was like, wow, damn, I I need to get everything together. Um, so it was the next day that I found a therapist. And Yeah. That's a... Yeah. I tell you, you are bringing back some feelings and some memories I have not felt in a long time. Because I've been, I've been in a strikingly similar spot. Let me, I just want to clear, you were saying a boba bar. Is that like the Japanese bubble tea? I want to clear that up. Yeah. I got to say, yeah. I, I say this with no disrespect and with total compassion in your story, but to hear such an intense story and then you keep dropping the syllables <laughs> boba throughout them is a weirdly dark laugh moment for me. And as a comedian, I have to oh. point out, so I'm losing my mind and I'm convinced I'm going to hell. And I went down to the boba bar. Hit up. <laughs> Wanted to get that. I'm just uh, crying. Oh, I'm just yeah. crying into my boba. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'm going to pause for a second and say, I think it's okay to cry into your boba tea once in a while. I also think it's okay to cry into or onto any of the following products. They are advertised on our show. I encourage you, buy these things. Use the promo codes CRY, CRY into them if you are so inclined. You're a crier. I cried last week. I'm a big advocate of crying. Anyway, check out the ads. We'll be right back. What if 2019 was all about slowing down and being mindful? Imagine how many goals you could accomplish then. That's why we're excited to partner with Calm, the number one app to help you meditate, sleep, and relax. Practices like meditation and prioritizing sleep can leave you feeling more rested. So you have the energy to go out and achieve your goals. If you head to calm.com slash beautiful, you'll get 25% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of programs like guided meditations on issues like anxiety, stress, and focus, including a brand new meditation each day called the Daily Calm. 
Sleep Stories, which are bedtime stories for adults designed to help you relax before you doze off. Head to the lavender fields of France with Stephen Fry or explore New Zealand with Jerome Flynn from Game of Thrones. Guess what? Well before they were advertisers, my own mom told me she likes calm. That's a good endorsement right there, Sally herself. For a limited time, beautiful anonymous listeners get 25% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash beautiful. That's C-A-L-M.com slash beautiful. Get unlimited access to all of Calm's content today at calm.com slash beautiful. Give yourself the gift of Calm and start 2019 off right. Have you heard about the company that's revolutionizing online furniture shopping? Joybird empowers you to create a space and furniture that bring you joy. Joybird is a great company. You go look at their stuff. It's quality. They're easy to deal with. I've dealt with them myself, and uh, it's cool. It's cool. It's a cool way to think about how to round out your house. And you go in there, and uh, everything on their website, it just looks good. And you immediately start going, where would I put that in my house? And it's, uh, it is very joyful. I understand why they name themselves Joybird. I get it. With Joybird, you get one-of-a-kind furniture made to your unique taste. Turn your ideas into reality with hundreds of styles and options, from mid-century modern to contemporary classics, all customizable in an amazing array of fabric choices, from rich, buttery leather and plush velvets to every color imaginable. There's even a wide range of kid- and pet-friendly upholstery available, as well as free personal design consultants to help nail down your perfect design. And with Joybird's 365-day home trial, you can skip the furniture store, bring the showroom home, sit on it, sleep on it, break it in, and if you don't love your Joybird, return for a full refund. See how Joybird is revolutionizing online furniture shopping? Create the furniture that brings you joy today at joybird.com slash beautiful. Go to joybird.com slash beautiful and receive an exclusive offer for 25% off your first order by using the code BEAUTIFUL. Thanks to all the advertisers who helped make this show happen. Now let's get back to the phone call. So I'm losing my mind and I'm convinced I'm going to hell. And I went down to the boba bar. No. Wanted to get that. I'm just, uh, crying, I'm just yeah. crying into my boba. <laughs> yeah. I ordered up my favorite. I ordered up the, uh, you know, your standard milk tea with tapioca pearls. And cried into it until a religious zealot told me he would pray for my soul. But that's real life. Yeah. That's real life, isn't it? Yeah. Where you're completely, where you hit yeah. rock bottom while you're drinking Japanese boba tea. That's real life. Yeah. That's real life. That I, is. And that's what, another thing that I think, it, I, I, I applaud, I tell you, I really applaud you for uh, opening up about this stuff right here. Because I think there, you, yeah. s- you said at the top of the call, I bet a lot of people are going to make fun of me. And I want to tell you, I bet they're not. I bet they're not. Because, uh. Yeah. I've talked about this stuff publicly. I had the same fear that everybody's going to judge me. People are going to roll their eyes at me. And I've been met with tons of people telling me that I got through them. And, and you talking about that incident at the Boba Bar, I bet there's people listening to this who have kids who have their own versions of some sort of, uh, you know, mental illness or, or dealing with some either temporary or permanent mental health issues. And I bet there's some people going, I don't understand my kid but I'm listening to this lady yeah. explain it and it's helping with that. And and so don't nobody's yeah. gonna laugh at you. Nobody's gonna laugh at you at all. They're gonna be I appreciative. That. I, I really do appreciate that a lot. And um something that I'm really lucky for is how much support I've been getting from like my family. So like my mom and my dad. That's really all I have is my mom and my dad. And um, my coworkers, um, my friends. 
I, I've been really open with everyone, and I'm okay with being an open book, which is why I'm okay calling and talking to you about this today. Um, because I feel like it's it's helpful and it's relatable, and I've always been helped by the people who have been open, like about their own struggles. So yeah, we're all in this together. Yeah, big time. And that's a, I tell another thing I identify with so much. Like the memory that you're bringing back is the way that you can be totally in a situation where you feel like you're losing your grip and then something shocks you right back. Like I've had that experience like you too, where you're, where like you say, you're sitting there and you start obsessing over the fact that you might go to hell and you're expressing it and it's like probably panicky and it's getting a little louder because you don't even realize people are listening. And then all of a sudden somebody's like, I'll pray for your soul. And then you immediately are like, oh, I need help. What the hell? Okay, what's going on? And where immediately you're like, I just found my footing again and things are going too far. Uh, okay, if if people are well, if it's hitting a point where people are actively approaching me and offering prayer, yeah. eh, this is got, I'm going too well, big with Chris, this. Yeah, talk Chris, to me. I ended up having a second time at that boba bar with another friend. <laughs> And I met up with her after I'd been going to therapy and I was telling her how successful it was. And I was like kind of poking fun at the fact that I had an existential breakdown at a boba bar and how some guy was praying for me. And I turn around and that same guy was at the table studying again. And his friend literally just asked him, what would Jesus do? And I said to my friend, we have to go and I can never come back here because I was so embarrassed so I left that boba bar. I can never go to that boba bar again because of that, that guy that prayed for me. He studies there apparently. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> like in the Joseph Campbell, you know, hero's journey, study of myth, there, I, I believe there's this one step in that journey of like you have to go into a dark cave and face down your own soul, your own reality. It sounds like this boba bar is your version of that soul cave where you have to face your deepest inner Innermost turmoil. And I want to, can I just yeah. say as well, can I just say as well, I think there are people, and maybe even this guy, who knows, there's people who might offer up prayer and they have nothing but good intentions and they do come from a religious background. Um, and, and we Absolutely. are, and we're yeah. joking about it. And, and, you know, for some, I've come to realize too, for some people, and I think especially in the past, my guess is that church was therapy for a lot of people, that going to confession with a priest was the closest yeah. some people felt to therapy and that and that can be a beautiful thing but you and I are joking about it and I I can tell you and I are like-minded people and it's I want to be clear I'm not making these jokes because I'm rolling my eyes at the idea of prayer because some people have good intentions but it's just there's no and I I would love to make that clear too yeah because I I'm someone where I may not be religious but if someone tells me like um god bless you like instead of like merry christmas and god bless I appreciate that because that's them giving me their warmest wishes. Right. And that's, you know, what makes them a better person at the end of the day. Like, that's how they feel happiest. I am someone who's I'm accepting of everyone, whatever makes them a better person at the end of the day. And if they actually, like, um, practice what they preach, it's it's beautiful. I, it's again, I think I'm mostly just laughing at the fact that I never imagined myself having an existential crisis at a boba bar and someone offering their prayers to me. I just never right. saw myself in that, in those shoes before. Right. But and yeah. I similarly, I'm, I, 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 I can picture it in my head and I know 
it's not that this guy is ill will or is doing something wrong, but it's just that moment where you look up at someone and go, buddy, this is not, it's, it's just not, this is just not for me. It's not what I need right now. I, now, if yeah. I can continue crying into my cute tea, <laughs> let's just all, I don't get it. Now, can I ask you, do you feel like this was something that you were maybe prone to before the edible experience and that kind of sent it to a crisis point? Or do you think that those edibles really did kind of rewire things in a way that's become um, this this um, sort of albatross? You know, I don't, I don't know. So like, I, I don't know if this is weird to like bring up, but it's like, if you're a beginner, you're apparently you're only supposed to take like three milligrams. And this is all legal. Like I, I purchased it all legally here in California. Um, you're only supposed to take three milligrams if you're a beginner. I didn't know that, so when I cut it into the fourths, it, I took 25 milligrams, and that was so bad that um, wow. my eyes went bloodshot. My tongue was so dry that it was like it turned white. And then my my friends, they all went out for the night. I stayed in my hotel room, and I had my favorite anime on, and I couldn't understand anything that they were saying it was it was dubbed so it was in english but i could no longer understand the english and i felt like a toddler i felt like yeah i just felt like i couldn't understand anything anymore um and time was going by really really slow and the only like bit of like hope i had for myself was the fact that nobody has died from marijuana so i was like okay if i just sleep this off i will be okay right so I'm totally like I think it's totally fine for everyone else, but it's I I myself personally don't ever want to alter my state of mind again because that was so traumatic that I just can't handle it anymore. Um, uh-huh. And it's just messed up. It just opened my eyes in a way that I don't want to be opened anymore. I just want to go yeah. back to living my ordinary life. Now, how how come so many of your traumatic things this year have involved Japanese culture? Boba tea, anime. What are there? There's a phrase now for people for Americans who are like uh, obsessed about Japanese culture, but I don't know it off the top. Weeb. Yeah, what is it? A weeb. Yeah, do you do you identify as a weeb? No, I have friends that are more weebish than me. So you're not quite weebish, but it's just just so happens that when you're when you're uh, dipping your toes into uh, (laughs) a weeb territory, you have a complete mental collapse. Yeah, I guess so. But yeah. I don't know. It's just the stuff that I like, I guess. I hear you. No, I'm just I'm just having fun. I had I tell yeah. you the, the first time I ever ate edibles, I never forgot this. I was a freshman in college and the the kid who lived across the hall from me uh he showed up and he had baked a big tray of, of weed brownies and none of us no one on my we were all college freshmen no one had ever taken edibles before this was also in 1998 when those edibles were a thing you like kind of heard about like oh you can make pot brownies and when they showed up that was like a big event now i think that's a pretty standard thing that's out there but my we all ate them we all ate one and we were talking to the guy and we were nobody was feeling anything because you know you got to wait an hour or so it turns out but we didn't know yeah. that and we all go to the guy who baked them, and we're like, "What's up with these?" And he's like, well, "I don't know." He's like, "All I know is that when you um, when you bake weed, it makes it less potent. So we probably all should eat more." So all of us were college oh. freshmen who had never eaten 
edibles before. I think I had maybe smoked weed twice in my life. And we all ate like yeah. four pot brownies each. And I'll never forget, later that night, we actually had a, uh, you know, they have like the dorm meetings where you all got to go to the common area with the RA and the RA tells you about like rules and stuff that's coming up. And there were like 20 of us who just like our eyes were pointed in different directions. We were like people slumping off of chairs onto the foot. It looked like a scene Hunter S. Thompson would have wrote in a book that no one would have believed. And then that whole night I spent the rest of the night just throwing up spaghetti, which I would argue is the worst thing to throw up. Yeah, there's so much texture with that. I don't want to think about it, yo weeb. Yeah, Uh, we don't need to think about it. But you, you reminded me of something my my therapist was telling me because I've I've been very open with my therapist, which I mean that's what you're supposed to be. But um, she was telling me how she has actually had clients like me who have had like bad trips that have been traumatic. So it's been reassuring to not be alone with that. Yeah. But she even told me that some of her like say like psychologist buddies have been to Disneyland on edibles. And sat on a bench for six hours before crawling to get a churro. Wow. Churros are good. So, churros are good. Churros are very good. You get a so, little dipping sauce with the churro? Do you get some, like, melty chocolate thing? <laughs> the churros are good. Yeah. Now, can yep, I... they have that. Can I say to you, I know I'm joking around a lot while I'm also telling you I've been through it. And I'll tell you, I know how scary yeah. it is. But I do hope the yeah. fact that we can laugh about this lets you know that I have high hopes and a lot of confidence. Thank you. You're going to pull through it. Yeah. You're going to be okay. And I say that not dismissively, but encouragingly, because I hate when people are like, oh, you'll get through it. It's not that easy. Yeah. But I've been there, and you sound like you head in the right direction. It's a good thing. Sorry if I keep interrupting. Oh, no. It's my, Um, I'm I'm over-talking you. It's my fault. (laughs) No, no, it's okay. I was just going to say that um, it's a good thing that we're on the phone today as opposed to like six months ago when I was at rock bottom. Because um, it's it's better to tell a success story than, like, I guess an in-progress of success story yeah. than to be at the phone, like, asking you for answers and for help. Like, like I feel a lot more confident in my journey now yeah. than I did six months ago. Are you standing on a runway? That plane was loud. That was actually a train that went Ooh. by. I'm parked in a parking lot. Oh, nice. The train just went by. That's good. That makes me feel yeah. safer about you being in a car. But I don't think you had, yeah. did. Was was this something that was an issue before the edibles and they just rocked you? Or uh, did they bring it out, you think? Like, did they cause it? Um, I've always had anxiety, yeah. but it's never been this crippling. Um, I've never had anxiety that made me think about death like every second, second of the day. And I still do. I still think about death every day. And at my worst, I had to sleep with the lights on. Um, I had to sleep with the, the TV on because when I'd wake up in the morning, I'd be panicking that I, like, died. Um, right. And I still sort of get that feeling occasionally. It's not as intense anymore. And I can luckily sleep without the lights or TV on now. But it was really bad over the summertime where... I, I had to have noise on constantly because I was scared I was going to die in my sleep. Yeah, that's wild. That's wild. That's where I think yeah. any rational person listens to it and goes, oh, yeah, this is not a laughing matter. You are convinced every time yeah. you fall asleep that you've died. That's that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, 
it can make even just like going like going to sleep difficult. So, uh, and driving, flying, everything. So, I, I'm just glad that I'm in a much better place and that the therapy's helping. Um, I go every other week now. Instead nice. Of every week, that's always I, that's a nice. Yeah. And I'm not someone who feels like there's some people who have a goal of I'm going to stop going to therapy or I'm going to stop taking medication. I'm like I don't understand why that's a goal, but it is nice when. A therapist says, you know, I don't think you need to be here every week. I think that's such a nice step when it's under the care yeah. of a professional. Yeah, absolutely. And um, she's she's great. And the the way I found her was through the psychologist website. And I made sure to find someone that was LGBT friendly because um, on the website mm-hmm. it can like list if they're like they're they help people who are lgbt and that was like a huge thing for me because i didn't want to feel like i was secretly judged for any of the things i would talk about right so it's been great having someone that i can click with because i've had a therapist before that i didn't click with and i get it so when when friends tell me oh i i don't want to go to therapy i'm tra- like i the last therapist i went we didn't click or we didn't mesh well i'm like no like find another you will find your right match they're out there <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm going to say something weird. And I'm not saying this to make you feel bad in any way. And also weird to plug my own thing. You haven't watched my HBO special, have you? I I haven't. No, but I did just get someone's HBO login <laughs> recently for Game of Thrones. Yeah, it's well worth so. it. I like that you didn't get it from you just actively it's no interest to me, but Game of Thrones fuck yeah. But I only oh. bring, <laughs> no, that's okay. I, get, I watch it too. It's a great show. Um, but I bring it up not to plug my own shit, but if you do watch it someday, and I don't presume you will, I think you are going to start laughing hard at how similar you and I are with our stories. The paranoia, well, the, the drugs the drugs triggering it sometimes, having a shrink yeah. who you do not click with and how awful that can be and how you have to find someone who's a good fit for you. You're going to laugh really hard when you think about this conversation in the context of that you know it's a friday night tonight and i don't do anything crazy on friday nights because of <laughs> because of the paranoia so i will be in bed watching that <laughs> i don't know if you should watch it in bed because if you contemplate death too much while you're in bed this might not be the special for bedtime maybe stick to game of thrones <laughs> okay. it's a happier game of thrones is a more cheerful hbo <laughs> product than my special it's uh, my oh special my makes gosh. Game of Thrones look like a happy-go-lucky uh, summer <laughs> breeze comedy. I have a question. I wonder, <laughs> just because we have been through so much similar stuff, dealt with similar stuff, do you ever feel like, like, I came to a point where I almost felt like, do you ever feel like the paranoia is, like, weirdly like a, an organism that wants to stay alive? Do you know what I mean? I bring... Mm, yeah. Yeah, actually, you're reminding me of a quote that one of my really good friends told me. And she said, don't become friends with your anxiety, like your your anxiety and your paranoia. Like, don't treat it like a friend. Like if you not to say that you should ignore it, but don't feed into it. Yeah. And you have to do your best to sort of set it aside and not let it thrive. Um, yeah. And so it helps when she told me that because I was like, yeah, I guess I have been treating it like it's my companion. I, I need to not like think of it as a crutch. So not a crutch, but I don't know. Just yeah, you can't let it grow. 
because I think I think the thing that made me think of it is because I had a very similar thing to you where it 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 disrupted my sleep endlessly. I didn't have the death thing, but I would have a constant fear that I had overslept and was late for something. And I'd wake up like every 10 minutes some night in a panic that I'd missed my alarm. But then when you think about it, when you're exhausted, it sets in even more. When you are physically exhausted, it becomes something that's even less manageable. And similar to the driving thing, I wonder how many people who experience this stuff where it affects that type of thing, where it's like, yeah, and now it means that you can't go out and see people. And now it means that you can't go out. And like we said, you couldn't go to Target. I can't go to the grocery store. I'm too scared. These are all things that make you feel like the paranoia is sort of the only thing you can trust. It's fucked up. Yeah, I mean, what's even worse, there's like so many layers to it. And it's like, because I live in California, I started thinking about um, earthquakes a lot out of nowhere. After living here for eight years, I, I suddenly become afraid of earthquakes. And I became so afraid of like the biggest earthquake happening that suddenly a tsunami was going to happen. Yeah. I was just so convinced that the day that I decide to go to the beach is the day that something awful happens. Like that is just, I couldn't even go to my favorite beach anymore because of that. But I, I've, I've definitely overcome it because I've been there once. Um, but it's still hard. It's still challenging. Um, and I also had something else I was going to say, and then I forgot it. Oh, dang it. But it's okay. <laughs> I th- you ever watch uh you ever watch the Lord of the Rings trilogy? Uh it's great to fall asleep to. Um I like it. <laughs> I like no, like I mean like I, I always fall asleep right as Gandalf uh sets off the fireworks for the kids. That's like I don't know why. Eight I minutes in. That's eight minutes in like a nine hour experience. It more if you count those movie. Hobbit so movies. Good. Those Hobbit movies are under uh, it. Okay, I, so now you actually just reminded me of this is perfect this this transitions perfectly into what i forgot i was going to say okay so because i am afraid of driving i'm afraid to go anywhere for the holidays so i was considering having a lord of the rings marathon by myself now there's out i'm not going to spoil too much for you but anybody who's watched the two towers will understand i think that paranoia is like grima worm worm tongue like king theon has paranoia and anxiety. And it's Grima worm tongue. It's this thing that just whispers in your ear and you become convinced that it's right. And that's, I always, I feel, oh. I feel like that. You're not going to like that part because you're going to see what I'm saying anyway. Um, no, I can, honestly, I can handle it. Um, I, and I want to watch it and I appreciate the heads up. I, sometimes I even think of my anxiety as like Gollum where it's like, yes. nobody likes you. You have no friends. Yes, I had the same experience when I uh, when I really dove deep because that came out when I was in college, uh, the first one, and I was really in the thick of my depression. I remember feeling like, oh, Gollum is an analogy for addiction and and anxiety and paranoia. This whole idea of like you're you're this fucked up little being, but you're it's, you used to be someone else, and this stuff has just taken over, and it's sort of how you're letting people see you and how you're seeing yourself. I always felt like that. Hmm. Turn, yeah. Turns out Lord of the Rings has a, is good. Turns out it's a good yeah. thing with layers to it. Look at that. Lord of the Rings getting a free plug on the show. Look at 
that I don't hand out free plugs often, boy. I don't know why. I'll tell you what, though. These upcoming people, they don't get the free plugs because they're advertisers, and they, they paid for them. But that doesn't mean that I don't stand by them. A lot of good products, a lot of good services you're about to hear about. Use the promo codes, and we'll be right back after this. Support for today's show comes from Third Love with tagless labels, ultra soft fabric, signature half cup sizing, and straps that won't slip. Third Love is hands down the most comfortable bra you'll own. And I tell you what, obviously, I uh, I am not someone who's tried the bra myself. My wife did, and uh, she had a great experience. She loves her Third Love bra. I'll tell you more about that in a second. Here's what you do: you go to Third Love. You answer a few simple questions via their Fit Finder quiz. Find your perfect fit in less than a minute. Also helps you identify your breast size and shape and find styles that fit your body. And because Third Love takes its customer input seriously, they recently launched their most requested style, cotton t-shirt bras and cotton underwear. The result is a line of incredibly soft, smooth, and breathable bras and underwear you'll want to wear every day. But if you don't love your bra, returns and exchanges are free and easy. Like I mentioned, my wife went through the whole third love experience. It was fun. I was in the room while she did it. She, I watched her get just progressively uh, more excited. And she started having fun actually looking at the dis- different uh, styles and choices and ways to customize things. It was, it's really cool. And I think she, uh, she had a great experience. And then when the product showed up, she loved it. She's blown away. Third love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering my listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash beautiful now to find your perfect fitting bra. You get 15% off your first purchase. That's T-H-I-R-D-L-O-V-E dot com slash beautiful for 15% off today. Thank you so much to all of our sponsors. Now let's finish off the phone call. Turns out Lord of the Rings has a, is good. Turns out it's a good thing. Yeah. With layers to it. Now, what's EMDR treatment? Okay, so EMDR treatment is a form of, I think it's eye movement reprocessing something. Um, and it's for people who struggle with PTSD. What they, what my therapist does is she puts these two vibrating devices in each hand, uh, one per hand, and she has me lay down, close my eyes, and as they're vibrating one up to the other, left hand, right hand, left hand, right hand, left hand, right hand, she has me think about certain things and relive the experience. And she says, your fear itself won't hurt you. The memories themselves, like, you won't be hurt. Like, you're just think about these. And what it does is it actually reprocesses those memories to make them, um, I don't know, make you a little bit more less triggered by them, I guess. I have heard And apparently, yeah, most people get success um, after like eight sessions. And I can definitely agree that it's been very helpful for me. Yeah, we either talked to, I might have talked about that with someone on the show before or someone in real life who's done it. But I've heard about that. It sounded really interesting. It's, I think it's really interesting, this side of mental health that people are exploring now where it's not talk therapy, but actual actual like how would you say almost like physical therapy for the brain like actual methodologies you go to 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 get certain muscles working certain ways yeah no it's it's very fascinating i mean the brain is um a really interesting thing and at at my worst over the summer i really shouldn't have even been doing so much research on my brain because it only made it worse (laughs) i bought this 
I bought this magazine at Whole Foods that literally said all about the brain. And I was like, I want to read this. And then I regretted it because it made me think too much. It's kind of like going down the YouTube hole of trying to watch other people's videos about near-death experiences. It was not good for me to go down that hole because that's when I found the fear-mongering videos about people who saw hell when they had near-death experiences. So sometimes you just need to protect yourself and you have to like, Like on Twitter, I have muted the words like death, dying, dead, like die. Because people use those words um, non-literally every single day, all day long. Like, oh, like that's so cute. I'm dying or I'm dead. And I didn't realize how triggering it. It's not triggering for me right now. But like just hearing the word when I wasn't expecting to hear it all the time, I was like, wow. So I love the feature on Twitter where you can mute words to make your you know, your timeline a lot better for you mentally. You got to protect your brain. I feel like for a lot of us with the issues you and I have, just muting tw- muting the word Twitter from our vocabulary would help a lot. <laughs> Not even just certain yeah. words from it. If that, if Twitter, if, if Twitter was, because uh, I have to use them for I work. Wouldn't, but, but Chris, I wouldn't be on this phone call if it weren't for my Twitter notifications for you right now. Very true. Very true. So... I was very lucky that I got that notification from Twitter. So. And I'm happy we're talking, and it's doing. It's helping me. Too. me. It's helping me. Is it? Ugh. Yeah, because I still. Because I'll tell you, this the paranoia. I was actually put on a medication specifically for the paranoia. A pretty, pretty. Uh, it's just one milligram a day of an antipsychotic called Risperdal. It's pretty heavy duty stuff. Uh-huh. And uh, it helped so much. It helped so much. And I was put on, they, they put me on it with the intention of putting me on it for a short period of time. But it it bought me the breathing room to kind of get to the bottom of a lot of stuff. And uh, yeah. yeah, it was really, it was a good experience for me. But it's, uh, you you are bringing me back and, and, and making me realize the progress I have made with this stuff. And I thank you for it. And that was, good. that was yeah. in 2002. Was that the first time I saw a shrink? 2002. And I still deal with some stuff. And you were dealing it with it yeah. heavy duty this summer. But I hope that our talk today helps you realize like, yeah, you're, your openness about it right now means you're headed back in the right direction. And many yeah. years, many years no, from now. I, I, yeah. Yeah. And I hope that one day I can look back on this call and see even more progress that has been yeah. made. Um, I, to keep track of my progress, it's crazy because I, um, I journal and I, it's so crazy. I was looking back at my old journal entries the other day to see like how far I've come. And as soon as you open my journal, it says, feel free to read or share if I'm no longer here. I put a disclaimer thinking that like something bad is going to happen to me. And I wanted people to like see like my final words and thoughts. And like, I kept writing at the end of my journal entries, I'll explain more tomorrow if tomorrow comes. Like saying things that were so like, I had no hope for tomorrow because I was just so convinced that I would die in my sleep. And so that was my final statement. Um, It actually became a kind of like OCD thing for me where I felt like if I couldn't write in my journal that night, something would happen and no one would know like my final thoughts. So I've actually uh, conditioned myself to go periods of time without journaling. So that way I know, hey, that's not connected. That's not true. You can still live your life. It, 
your life isn't dependent upon you writing in a journal. Right, so right. It, it's, it's good to write in every now and then, but not to make it an obsessive thing. I still have just a couple vestiges of that in my life. I still deal with stuff. I was I was super depressed last week, last week, and uh, many yeah. many years into my treatment, it never totally goes away. I still mine is if 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 any sort of cabinet door is open before I go to sleep, I am convinced that that is a very bad thing with very dire consequences. And logically, I know that's not true, but I still walk around uh-huh. every night and I shut every drawer. And every cabinet door, and I'm, I sneak it sometimes too. I was at my brother-in-law's house and uh, hanging out there. I, I feel so dumb saying this because I managed to sneak at my brother-in-law's house, and my uh, his his wife was like cooking something or making tea or something, and she left the cabinet door open, and I just quietly walked over and closed someone else's cabinet door, and caught myself and. I'm like, yeah, that's still a, that's still the last vestiges of me and my paranoia stuff, but it's not the why, worst thing. Why? Why are people keeping cabinet doors open, though? Listen, you and me, we would be fast friends <laughs> if you were able to get on a plane and travel to New York City, and we could hang out. I, we'd be fast friends, but unfortunately, you know we can't do that. We can't do that because you're terrified. No, we can't. <laughs> we can't. But my goal is is to go back to New York City. I miss it a lot. The thing that's been keeping me sane lately, sorry I'm so over the place, but I've been watching okay. so much Gossip Girl lately. My goal is to go back to New York City and wear a fancy dress on top of a, uh, a rooftop lounge overlooking the city because I just think that'd be so damn cool. So if you can do that and I can live vicariously through you, that would be amazing. So you want me to put on a fancy dress and take a picture yeah. of myself at a rooftop lounge for your mental yeah. comfort? I think you would enjoy it too. Maybe. I've never, I don't think I've ever worn a dress. Have I? Maybe for, I think maybe once for a comedy sketch years ago, back when. If uh, if you want to wear a suit, if you want to wear a suit, that's cool too. You and your wife just go on top of a rooftop lounge and take in the view and uh, live your best gossip girl life. Best gossip girl life. I watched a couple episodes of Gossip Girl. Was that guy's name Chuck Bass? Wasn't he on Gossip Girl? Yeah. I think think in the very early days of Beautiful Anonymous, I once talked about my love of Chuck Bass. I think Chuck Bass is one of the greatest. That that actor, to be given, I love shows like that where they're just full of joy and fun, but where they unabashedly are like, here's this one character, nothing well-rounded about it. He's just a squirmy, (laughs) evil prick. And his name is Chuck Bass, and we're not going to give him yep. any redeeming qualities. Why bother? Let's just have fun. And the actor clearly had so much fun just being like, yeah, I'll just play a weasel named Chuck Bass and not worry about if he has any other qualities in his life. Good old Chuck Bass. No. It's just his name. That's it. <laughs> Listen, if I'm ever on a rooftop lounge, I will uh, take the picture, but I... I uh, I almost don't want to because that's your journey to walk and you got to get there. I don't want to I don't want to check true. that box for you. That's for Very you. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. It'll, it'll happen cuz I got yeah. I have more Broadway shows I need to see. So. Oh yeah. You got time for all kinds of entertainment except my special. <laughs> oh my god. I'm I kidding. It's just that we're talking about this stuff. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I do have your audio book, though. Oh, that's and... not, I'm, I'm, so we don't have to make it more about me. The jokes were just sitting there. 
I'm not sure. I know, but I just wanted to let you know that if if it's the HBO thing, I only just recently got the login. So I'm kidding. I'll stop bringing it up. I'll stop okay. bringing it up. Well, I'm I'm so we have less than uh, ten minutes left. This one flew by. Man, wow. I don't even know what else to say. Yeah, I just uh, I have to tell you. I know how hard it is, and I'm, I've been laughing and joking, but that's only because I feel such comfort with the conversation and with you. But I also Thank just, you. I just want to reiterate, it's not a laughing matter, and mm-hmm. and it's, it's uh, the impact this stuff can have on your life is profound, and just being yeah. able to hear you express this all in such a clear way and in a hopeful way and a forward thinking way. It gives me a lot of uh, real warm feelings because I think that's one of the first steps to be able to speak to it with some perspective and not be caught up in it. Thank you. I really appreciate that a lot. And it's um, it's really reassuring to know that if you've gotten through things, then I certainly can too. It's, it's not the end of the world, even though it feels like it's crashing. Um, uh, it's now time for me to bring up something, again, very weebish um, okay. in these last 10 minutes, if yeah. you don't mind. Let's weeb um, out. Let's go ahead and weeb so, out. So do you, do you know, are you familiar with that? And I'm totally, and I'm fine with this, but anyone that knows me who's listening, I'm totally like outing myself right now. But do you know anything about Kingdom Hearts? Kingdom Heart? Kingdom Hearts is a video game. It combines Final Fantasy characters and um, and Disney characters. Oh, like actual copyrighted so, characters meet up. Yeah, yeah. So basically, it's been 13 years since the last game. Well, I mean, there's been more games that have been out in between, and they are very, very important to the story. But where the last game took off, it's been 13 years. Okay. Um, and a lot of my paranoia has been that I hope I can survive until at least that game comes out. And so that comes out in January 29th. So I'm really holding on to hope that I get to play that game and that nothing bad will happen and I get to finally play the game I've been waiting 13 years to play. Um, But they released like a small trailer for it the other day and I recorded my reaction crying as I watched it and heard it because it was so emotional for me that I I didn't think I was going to live long enough to to see that or to hear that. It just it was very surreal, and so now I have hope that just in the, just forty six more days on my end, like, and I can finally play that game. So it's just a goalpost of mine. It's not like my whole life doesn't isn't revolved around the game, but it's something that's so important to me and my childhood that I'm really. It's going to be a really powerful moment when I can finally play that game. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything silly about that. I don't. I know that feeling so well. I know that feeling so well. Being totally depressed and being like, yeah, but there's a new Star Wars movie in December, so I'm going to keep fighting. I think that that's beautiful. I think that's beautiful. New I'm, new Avengers movie, just things yep. to look forward to that like give you hope. Yeah, you know, I'm like, like I just need to stay alive so I can see these things and play these games. 
Yeah. Where I'm like, I'll be totally depressed and I'll be like, man, the first Ant-Man was funny. Ant-Man and Wasp looks good too. I guess I'll uh, pick myself up off the floor and try to be productive because uh, there is hope after all in the form of Paul, Paul Rudd good? and Michael Douglas. Oh, it was great. Evangeline Lilly. Okay, because I, I rented it on Amazon 30 days ago and I forgot to watch I forgot to watch it within 30 days. I wanted to watch it last night and it expired. So I need to... I'll watch that after your special. No, watch it first. It's better. Ant-Man's better. It's the most underrated Marvel movies. They're straight up funny Marvel movies. You're going to like them. You're going to like okay. them. But I would put my thing like sixth or seventh on the list. It'll probably freak you out too much. Freak you out too much. <laughs> I'll 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 be okay knowing that you're okay and that we had this conversation. And I'll be okay knowing that you're okay. That's how it works. We got to team up, all of us. Yep. And even uh, even just theoretically, even just theoretically, like you and I got to have this conversation, and that's awesome, and that's beautiful. But all that being said, even when we're not directly on the phone. There's uh, millions and millions of people fighting through the same thing. And I can think of yeah. that theoretically, even though I don't know them all as individuals. And it's inspiring to me. It's really inspiring to me. And uh, we have yeah. to give ourselves that freedom. We have to give ourselves that. Absolutely. I just, uh, yeah, no, it's, I tell you, it's, uh, it's not easy. And I just saw... Someone, a person I didn't even know that well. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, I saw she, I taught her in an improv workshop when she was in college and I only met her that one day. But we were Facebook friends after that and she uh, she lost the fight and I saw it and it rocked uh, me. And it rocked me, you know? But yeah. then when you hear something like that, it reminds me, man, there's so many, there's so many people fighting this fight. And we have to be in it together. I have to be. Yeah. Have yeah. Be. No, you're right. I, I'm, and I'm so thankful for you and this community and what you've done for so many other people and what everyone else and within the community has done for each other. It truly is beautiful. And I'm forever grateful for the community, for this podcast, for helping me through everything, just listening to it, and now finally being being able to like talk to you about it. Oh. I mean, I'm the luckiest guy in the world with this job. I know that. I know that. You want to hear? Yeah. You want to hear a good paranoia-related story? Since we've been talking about it so much. Yeah. So. Yeah. Last year, I don't think I talked about this on the show. Did I talk about the diner thing, Jared? Does that ring a bell? I don't know if it did. I I I, I was sitting in a diner by myself last year, and. Uh, this was when my TV show was still on the air and the podcast had blown up and I'd been, I'd been on this little hot streak, you know? And it's nice. That's nice. I keep it in perspective. That'll go away. But I'm from Jersey. Diners mean a lot to people from Jersey. Like that's the, there's diners everywhere in Jersey. It's famous for it. And it's like, that's like the feeling of home to me. If I'm in the city and I'm stressed out, I go eat in a diner. It relaxes me. And I was eating on the Upper West Side in a diner all by myself. And I'm playing with my phone. And all of a sudden I get tagged in a picture on Facebook. And I open it up, and it's a picture of me eating in that diner at that moment. And somebody has, oh my god, yeah, somebody has tagged me in it in a uh, not the beautiful anonymous Facebook group, the one where all the Gethard Chill fans hang out. Those weirdos, oh, okay. those weirdo Gethard Chill fans. 
And uh, he's like, just saw Geth in the wild. Let's guess what he's eating. And I freaked out. I freaked out. And I lo- I really lost. I was like, ah, and just had like a collapse. And I tell you, I went home and I talked to my wife about it. And she was like, come on, dude, you've worked really hard to like, now you're going to complain. You've like worked your ass off your whole life and complained about how hard it was. Now people recognize you and you're getting a little fame. You're going to complain about that too. My shrink also was like, come on. Like, it's nice that people recognize you, but I couldn't get it out of my head. And I talked about it with my therapist a couple times. And uh, yeah. finally she goes, you know what I just realized? She's like, I've realized something about why you can't get this out of your head. She goes, when you were in your, your early 20s and things were at their worst, paranoia was one of the, that was the biggest red flag for you that made you feel like you were the closest to actually losing your mind. And you yeah. used to think people were following you. And now someone's actually taking clandestine photos of you and you're feeling yeah. all these feelings that remind you of your early 20s when you were thought you were actually permanently going to lose it. But she's like, you got to realize the problem back then with those feelings wasn't the feelings themselves. It was that it wasn't real. And now you got to get used to feeling those same exact feelings and understanding that it is real. Someone did take mm-hmm. a secret picture of you. That's valid to freak out about. But the feeling yeah. of freaking out is making you feel like you lo- like you felt when you were at your worst. And it's bringing you back to that place. Yeah, it triggered that for you. So point being, it never goes away. Good luck. It never goes away, but it gets easier to cope with. Yeah. If you, if you learn and you get the right tools. And so. you learn to master it, not vice versa. And I think you'll continue to do yeah. that. We got about 15 thank seconds you. left. I thank you for this call. And I hope you keep fighting the good fight and doing better and better. And I believe in you. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> Caller, I mean it so much. I'm happy to hear that you are processing this stuff. The fact that you can speak to it so clearly gives me great, great hope. And I think you're going to get through this. I know it's tough, and I know you're on your own. And uh, please keep fighting the good fight, because I think you're headed in the right direction. Thank you for calling, sharing your story. Thank you to Jared O'Connell in the booth. Thank you to Harry Nelson, also in the booth. Thank you to Justin Linville, who's not in the booth, but helps me in all ways with my life. Thank you to Shell Shag for the music. You guys are the best. If you want to know about me and when I'm going on the road and doing shows, chrisgeth.com is where all my dates go up. Maybe I'll meet you and say hi. And hey, if you like the show, here's what you can do to help. You go on Apple Podcasts, you rate, you review, you subscribe. It really does help. That's all the business. We'll see you next time on Beautiful and Honest. Next time on Beautiful Anonymous, we're coming at you live from Team Coco House in New York City. Things get real. I will say that, you know, I have been very open about my own issues, and I've had that conversation with my mom that your kid had with you in the same way where I woke her up, and I know that that scared the shit out of my mom. And uh, thank you for being a good mom and being ready for it and helping. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
you have no other choice. You love them. So, yeah, yeah that's that. That's not easy. You just dropped that. I know. While all this was happening, your your son was a girl, and at this point, that is not the case. Well, you know what it is? is because I've become so comfortable with who he is now um, that I don't second-guess it at all. That's next time on Beautiful Anonymous.